Welcome to America Works, the only podcast that wants us to fucking try. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. <laughs> you like yes, that? You yes, like that sir. Intro? Yes, sir. Anything you want. Uh, what do you think of this episode? Uh, episode two. Uh, it's it's season three, episode two, chapter twenty-eight. Episode is a hot mess. It started out a hot mess, and then I kind of I kind of settled into it. I, I like uh, the fact that they could keep a, an egg symbolism running clean through. They did. I don't know what it means. So my but big, they kept it. Th- my big problem with this episode is they made. Uh, which was, uh, let's get some stuff out of the way first. It was uh, <laughs> directed by David, or John David Coles, which we talked about last episode. He also directed the last episode. Uh-huh. And written by John Mankiewicz, who is a long-running writer of many hit shows, including this one. He's written four episodes of uh, uh, House of Cards. He's also an executive producer. Uh, he's also written on House MD. Who isn't an executive producer on this show? I don't know. He's kind of gotten in a house rut because he's got House of Cards, House MDs, uh, going old school Hill Street, Hill Street Blues and Miami uh-huh. Vice, among many, many, many other credits. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yes. My big problem with this episode was that this felt like Claire's uh, spelling bee moment. Do you remember that uh, talk show in the first season where they needed Frank to have a crisis with the education bill. Yeah. And the he went on. I owe you a something. Right, and then he right. goes completely out. Yeah. The, the, what are you even talking about, Frank? <laughs> right. It just was like so far from believable that this guy would get into that particular word whisker and argument. Her completely losing her shit. At someone she knew should have goaded her or wanted to goad her. Although, he did kind of go back on his word. He said that he wouldn't get in the way of her, but he kind of did. Yeah. And then I see what he was doing there. Uh, Sure. I thought he was just being a dick. And that's, you know, like this whole, the the military is relevant. What do you mean the military is relevant? Sure, sure, sure. Just stand at grandstanding to drive you crazy in uh, U.S. politics. Yep. But I just thought that, it was embarrassing how badly she handled that situation from front to end. And I don't believe that Claire Underwood would handle it that, that badly. Hmm. Okay. But again, you know, for the first time since season one, I felt like that the writers needed a particular crisis to happen right now so they could hmm. force this. If they wanted to make a, a recess appointment, break the fucking recess appointment. Don't All right. degrade <laughs> Claire as a character to do it. Yeah, I... I don't have such a harsh outlook. Going into that, I it immediately started grating on me, and I I was like, oh, man, I don't like this scene at all. By the end of that scene, I had, you know, sussed out exactly what he was doing, and I kind of understood it a little bit more, um, and, and I didn't have such a problem with it. It's still not the greatest part of this episode. Can I... Let, let me give you another problem that aplexed me. Uh, okay. <laughs> Claire comes home to find Frank defeated, sobbing on the floor by his desk. Yeah. And she sob fucks him. Mm hmm. To me, Claire Underwood comes in, sees this, says, If you can find it in your power to scrape yourself off that floor and accompany me to the bedroom, it might be worth your while. I, this, this is like, we've seen what happens when he. It becomes kind of like a, you know, crawling into a ball of self-pity. It's a turnoff to her. She finds it distasteful. She, well, she we also, she's done, she's done something very similar to this before. I mean, she, when she sees him in moments where he needs support, 
this has kind of been her way to support him. But I just, I, do you see Frank Underwood sobbing because he called people for four or five hours and didn't get a single supporter, which I felt also shocking. It was shocking. Like a pre- not, sitting not president of the United States though. can't call, f- like, you really? I don't, not with the way Frank Underwood has conducted business in the past, no. Man, it just feels like that any president would not bat a zero. That seems highly unlikely. You you get the the weaklings who want to just support the incumbent. Yeah, you get somebody yeah. that's like my career is. You know, you get the uh, guy that just got sent a dick pic to some eighteen year old coed. All right. Uh, it strikes me as the the Democrats have been talking amongst themselves behind his back for the past six months since he got uh, into the presidency, and this is the fruition of that. Like they they are all solid around this idea. Mm. Like uh, what's his name? I I don't remember the name, but the the guy who delivered the message in the meeting, mm-hmm. uh, he has been working behind Frank's back the entire time, yeah. much like Frank would have done with him. Well, that was Bob Womack. No, Terry I, Womack is yes. the guy that was the um, head of the Black Caucus, uh-huh. and I think he's now the. Uh, minority leader or majority leader whichever i think it's a minority leader mm-hmm. the democratic w- leader anyway um it wasn't bob's idea it was that terry womack's idea yeah. so this was like treachery coming from within his own house and then sure. jackie who oh yeah is stung from not getting a juicy appointment off of her helping you know kind of strong-armed into it, but helping frank out last year uh she backs their play Ten yeah. minutes after first hearing it, and then she wants to be vice president on Frank's ticket that she thinks is a lose. I don't know. There's a lot of things that I don't really understand the people's motivation, and I don't understand uh, Remy and Jackie's little game and what she is doing with this Alan Cook man that she's just kind of used it. It's, it's like well, okay, a naked attempt to make Remy look uh, feel jealous. Yeah, I I felt like that was just showing that she's you know out on the town like she was before uh, with Remy a little bit, but. More importantly, what is she doing with the reporter? What is she doing with Ayla? That's a very good question because... I don't know what her game is. What card she has to play, uh, you know, she just squanders it by getting the press involved. I mean, I, I, I don't know. She's got her own agenda, and it's not for the Democrats, and it's not for Frank under... Underwood, yeah. Underwood, it's, it's for her own self, and I don't know. And she wants, she also, you can tell that she wants Frank to think that she's going to be on his side at some point. The other question I have is why does Remy feel like he's trying to split the middle between Frank and her? Because he mm-hmm. is kind of in keeping Frank in the loop about what's going on with her, but he also didn't play dumb about where the leak, definitively where the leak came from, when he knew for a fact that it was from Jackie because he talked to her about that right before he called Frank. Mm-hmm. So why is Remy... Hmm. That seems like a dangerous play to make. You just said to Frank, <laughs> but Frank asked in this episode, I intend to run. Yes. If you're Remy, that has to have you worried that no one is on his side. Do you think maybe he doesn't have the faith in Frank to win this thing? And he wants to continue on after the fact? Because we have seen him be a mercenary before. Sure. I mean, sure. half of the series, he has been a mercenary. Yeah. it's just... Mercenary for oil companies, mercenary for Frank. It's just, I don't know. I mean... Washington's a weird place. My, I mean, I don't have anything to base this on, but my gut feeling as an observer is you can fight a good campaign and lose 
and you are still going to be seen as, you know, you, you could be seen as valuable in Washington. Mm-hmm. If you stab someone in the back, then even if the person that you're backstabbing benefits, they're still going to remember that you're a backstabber. And I think that's why Frank calling all these people and not getting any positive response is such a cool thing. It's such a good thing and plays right into his track record. You know, I mean, he goes around backstabbing people all the time. The show is called House of Cards. His presidency is built on a house of cards. Yeah, that's true. I just feel like that Seth and Rim, I mean, even um, Doug, as far outside of the inner circle as he is, uh, you know, spraying syringes in his mouth, <laughs> he's able to know that, yeah, Frank has got, he's up to something. He's going to, he's going to make a run uh, this yeah. around these guys' backs. I, yeah. Can you really build enough support for a bill and have it take positive effect and get the Americans excited enough in six months to stave off a political coup? So that's the thing. Um, I mean, this kind of ties in with the recess appointment. I don't know if everyone has picked up on that's exactly what he's trying to do, but I think what's happening here is he says, okay, I can't beat these guys head on, so I'm going to subvert them and take what is a terrible public opinion of me and turn it around by being brutally honest by doing everything that those 74% of people that they mentioned in the first episode want him to do, I think that's exactly what what he's doing here. Mm. He's swaying public opinion so that when the time comes, they will have almost no choice but to nominate him. That's what I'm saying. Like He's it's got a risky six plan. months to a year. Now, yeah, that's essentially risky. the same plan that the recess appointment is, because I did some research on that, that president's... It's kind of the whole recess appointment was back in the horse and buggy days when it took weeks and months to get from, you know, Washington, D.C. to Florida. Sure. Back to your constituents. You know, Congress recesses used to be a real thing. And the Constitution has a provision that the president can bypass the senatorial advice and consent powers, which is what all this is, is nomination and confirmation process Mm -hmm. during a recess and directly appoint people to the position, to a vacant position. However... The Senate has to confirm it by the next time before they adjourn again. So this essentially maximum puts it off a full calendar year. Okay. At the maximum. A lot of people don't do this option, although it happens all the time. Like, the you know, all f- of the last four or five presidents have done, like, at least 100 yep. of these recess appointments. See? Wow. Okay. But it's not a popular option because it normally kind of p- it can piss off the Senate. And it can consolidate. Uh, but if you're doing a hundred, you're doing twenty five a year. It doesn't seem like it's that. Well, but some of this stuff is for minor. You know, it's like somebody yeah. resigned, or you had. You know, like there are so many appointed offices uh-huh. in the federal government. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what I'm saying is that it seems like uh, the reason presidents don't like to do it is because it can consolidate um, support against the nomination. So it's mm. like a surefire, like shot in it, you know, shot in the foot. Okay. The other thing is, if they do it too often, the Senate can get pissy and take matters to where they never effectively go on recess. And I guess like the last two years of the the last Bush presidency, I believe, is Harry Reid made sure that the uh, Senate never effectively went on recess. <laughs> like there's like certain okay. like procedures they can observe as long as they don't go a three day gap of doing them, then Congress never goes off session. So. There's like checks and balances huh. and kind of internal tug of war. What what? But sh- what she's asking him is essentially the same gamble, which I think is why he just, just said, okay, whatever. 
because he's making the exact same gamble. I'm going to force something through, bully my way through, hoping to get my way because of my stellar achievements. I don't know that I can believe that can happen in three, in six to twelve months. It's it's definitely a long shot. I think his plan is a last resort. I mean, you would have to like generate ten, and I did the math on that too. So, and I maybe my math is wrong, but uh, if you generate ten million jobs and the jobs average fifty thousand dollars a piece, that's a pretty good job, right? Mm-hmm. It's a decent job. Sure, you're going to generate five hundred billion dollars worth of income to these people. Okay, so that's his $500 billion mark there? I'm just saying that seems like a one-to-one expenditure, jobs to dollars, and I don't know sure. that that makes a lot of sense. No, you want to incentivize the creation of jobs, not pay for the creation of jobs, right? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> essentially. You don't subsidize corn by just paying for all the corn. <laughs> right, right. But I don't know, because these are, these are entitlement cut programs. I also think that, I mean... Mm. There's a reason nobody wants to do this because you can't get in front of the American people and be like, you're not entitled to the shit that you're entitled to because we call them entitlements. Sure. I mean, this is the uh, game we're playing, like you and me. His his game is honesty, right? His game is straight shooting, no bullshit honesty. Sure, it's what we need because yeah. it's, a, it's an open joke among people our age that we're just not going to see Social Security. Sure. Yeah. It's not. I mean, I would. I do not plan on it being there because uh, it seems unsustainable. The mm. baby baby boomer generation is just too big, and it's going to be too expensive, and the whole thing's going to go tits up, and we're going to be left holding the bag. That's pretty cynical, and it would be refreshing to hear a president say that. But people our age don't fucking vote, and younger don't fucking vote, <laughs> and old people vote all the fucking time. Sure. And that's politics in the United States. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I'm unsure, especially with him just kind of ramming Claire into the UN here. I don't know that that's seen as a good PR move. It's uh, not. Yeah, sure. Certainly, I I don't know. She how... just got defeated, and I guess that's the that's the big like this that hardly ever happens is doing a recess appointment on something that the Senate just rejected is really uh, ballsy. Sure. Yeah, I'm gonna do this anyway. Sorry, guys. Uh. It, I it, I it makes me think that there is something bigger happening in Frank Underwood's head. Oh, of course, like he is shooting higher than we think he is. And yeah, that would be typical Frank Underwood. Yeah, and it's kind of rare for this show to be this close. Like they'll do this through an episode. Like I think when the brick gets thrown, we weren't we didn't know for sure that he did it until the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's. I feel like we're multiple episodes on like, you know, we're going in two episodes and I don't really know what his plan is. Yes. I know his plan is to do such a good job that people love him and they need, but that doesn't seem like a good enough plan. That's not a plan. That's something you're (laughs) hoping that will happen. What's the actual plan? You know, like what is his bar? Does he need 3 million jobs? Does he need five? I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a risky gamble, desperate gamble. Yeah. I think there's more to it. Uh, speaking... Maybe involves uh, getting some of these uh, Democrat leaders into garages with running cars and booze bottles. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to have Maybe a meeting some, in the subway, guys. Some, some Amtrak uh, trains. <laughs> uh, who knows? Uh, all right. Let's talk a little bit about eggs. I like eggs. I like omelets. I see people breaking eggs. I see gotta, presidential you eggs. If you want to make an omelet. What's going on with eggs in this episode? Do you have any idea? Because I personally do not. I think it's a long way to get the whole you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. Really? Joke. I do, I do. 
you know, it's, it's, that's what it's, they're doing. But, you know, Frank's talking about, you got to balance eggs. It can't law change the laws of physics. Um, uh, Claire is carefully selecting eggs. And at the end, she's mm-hmm. smashing them and, and making omelets. I and don't she, know how else to parse that. So when she is carefully selecting those eggs, she also gets some very bad news about the nomination. When she gets very good news about the nomination in, in Frank pushing her through, she then cracks and breaks these eggs and presumably eats them. Yeah, I mean, there might be something into the whole, like, you know, when you're trying to be nice and neat and you're trying to keep things in balance, nothing gets happened. But, you know, you, you mm. finally move ahead by just smashing shit and fucking shit up. Um, yeah. But that's kind of like the whole... That's not really subtext because that's no. literally what breaking a few eggs to make an omelet means. Yes. And you have to make a mess to create something. So it's like... Maybe it just frames the theme for this episode. Sure. I, I guess it could be that. That they're going outside. They're coloring outside the lines. Yeah. And and then if you take, you know, Frank kind of palming this egg and and kind of making his decision, coming to this epiphany while handling this egg, I, I think that could be uh, what they're doing there. Had a Meacham sighting this episode. There was, yeah. He's not dead. Apparently he's the head of the First Lady's detail, or is he just kind of like one of the high mucky mucks of so- Secret Service anyway? I feel like he's uh, he's a high up Secret Service guy. Are we going to see any more Meacham in the middle this year? Because there wasn't any hint of uh, mm-hmm. sexuality between him and the First Lady. I think that's a one and done. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Until I'm proven a false, until I'm proven wrong, I uh, I think that's it. Hmm. So hmm. I I don't have a ton more to say about this episode. Well, we get I, more I Stamper, do. I guess. Yeah. What's his de- What is Frank's deal with Stamper? Last episode, we thought like he's just radioactive, and he just really hopes he takes care of Rachel and then dies, or maybe he'll help him along. Mm-hmm. He seems to be curious about his mental state and he's asking Seth to check up on him, which of course Stamper immediately smokes out and resents. Yeah. Uh, Stamper is apparently using the syringe techniques to, uh, I, I don't know. To, control his drinking. Yeah. Control. Yeah. That's, that's what the he, word he is measuring his alcohol. Intake. He's moderating. Like I, I'm and going I to, I'm going to be smart about it this time. He, he might be being a little too smart. Like you can't do that with a shot glass, buddy. Like, maybe he sees the bottom of a shot glass and he just freaks out and needs to have more. No, I think there's something, like, I it's don't... Very clinical, you know how, very Yeah, you detached. know how your brain, you can hack your brain? Like, I sure. can only, like, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'll smoke, but only if I'm out at a bar with some friends, you know? Yeah, yeah, or, or if I'm drinking, yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just have one, you know, one beer or something. You, you, you can make hard limits, and then that's the hard limit you've set for yourself. Keith Richards, I'm only going to get high once a night. <laughs> and survive till I'm... That's right. I'm going to I'm going to you know live a long time through careful use of pharmaceuticals. Um yeah. so I I mean obviously there's not not everybody's Keith Richards and I don't think Doug Stamper is. I think mm-hmm. the system is going to let him down and betray him. You're probably right. Probably just as Frank is starting to let him back in cuz that's what it feels like is happening. He Frank is trying to he's taking an interest in oh these policy positions he's writing and oh send it on to me uh-huh. if he was just radioactive i'd be like yeah i thought he was going to say yeah file 13 that shit sure sure <laughs> tell him i read it and that it's interesting yeah the and circular then, file yeah. yeah but he didn't he there's something going on there um and i don't know what his game is so all right i get i think that stamper is trying to measure and control his drinking why do, why does he put his 
gear away when Seth calls him and says, I'm going to come over after this speech. Because one vial is not going to get him drunk. But he could maybe smell me, alcohol in his breath. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That I was thinking sense. that, like, yeah, he was just like, uh, and also maybe cause like, oh man, I he's coming over here. I might be close to getting back in. I can't be doing this shit. <laughs> I'm gonna then, abuse it. So. But then when he finds out that Seth isn't over there for his own free will, but yeah, because he's being made to, and all the implications of that, he's like, you know, fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna squirt this right in my mouth because sure. So that's the other thing is I think having a prostitute there to squirt it in his mouth was a further like hoop. Like uh-huh. it's essentially the whole, like I've done this when I'm trying to get be productive at work. I set a stupid timer on my web browser mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, you can only have it open for 15 minutes and JavaScript locks it out. Well, you can go fix that. Yeah, sure. But, but that's but it's it's, a that's, mental... that's the procrastinating programmer's version of having a whore come over to squirt <laughs> bourbon in my mouth. Well, if it's just big, I, I'm going to make it this big option. deal. And now he's like, OK, I'll trust my. So he's already slipping yep. in his system. Yep. He's eliminated the middleman, mm-hmm. the middlewoman, the middle pr- prostitute. Sure. Uh, what else you got? Anything? Do you think that's the same bottle? Yes, I do. So then he really... He is doling it out. He, he is, is... He's doling it out. Okay. Measuring it very carefully, yeah. All right. Uh, he's the, the thing that I was really disturbed about in Stamper's apartment, uh, the vanilla Oreos. Oh, yeah. What, what the hell? Now, I've had... I mean, I, know, I I get the man is the type of man that eats Greek yogurt on a regular basis. <laughs> is happy when he opens his fridge and he sees, sees all health food. Sees Greek yogurt and uh-huh. leaks, and it's like oh, after I'm six home. months in a hospital, a man comes home and wants health food. Yes, fuck you, dude. This you guy, want a chocolate brownie? You want something? <laughs> this guy's a weirdo, and he gets down with vanilla Oreos. He does. That's strange. I think that's Nobody why Claire those. threw up in the sink. She accidentally <laughs> got got one of those vanilla Oreos in her mouth. It's like, what? What is this? And then had to eat eggs to get it out. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Protein up. Uh, I have had peppermint Oreos, and those are quite good. I've had all kinds, though. Like, my favorite are around Christmas time, and they only make these around Christmas time. Peppermint Oreos. Thank God, because I'd weigh 500 pounds. The, the white chocolate dipped Oreo. Oh, okay. Yeah. My God, those are so good. Those are good. They only make the peppermint ones at Christmas time too. Mm. Uh, I've had the pleasure. I think that would be good though. They like are an Andy's mint. Yeah, only with some cookie there too. Mm-hmm. Little little bit of crunch in the uh, in the filling as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Come what on, the disco. Got? Why can't we get those full time? It's just like winter seasonal beers. Like they're the best beer. Everyone agrees. Why don't make them all year long? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Could make so much more money. Uh, uh, sometimes oh. uh, a little restraint is a good thing, as evidenced by Stamp. <laughs> uh, I need a syringe <laughs> to inject Oreos into my mouth. Hey, I did some research. Um, Liz had a question about uh, the cessation or secession from the union. No, Are no, we talking about sex- Texas. Here? No, <laughs> no, like the <laughs> secession. Right? That's like who takes over from who when what happens. Oh. Y- yeah, something like that. Okay. Um, so... Succession? Yeah, I whatever. Um, anyway, the 25th Amendment of the Constitution cleared up some ambiguity from this area. I would hope and so. It uh, basically says that anytime the president is removed from office by death or resignation, the vice president becomes president. Okay, I knew that. <laughs> When there is a section two says whenever there's a vacancy in office office of vice president, the president shall nominate a vice president who shall take office upon confirmation by the majority vote of both houses of Congress. So 
he needs to kill Blythe and bring his wife in as <laughs> vice president. Well, I think he can dismiss the vice president at his pleasure. Is is my my take on this? But huh. but so what yeah. happened is article section one was triggered when Walker left office. Mm-hmm. That immediately made him the president, mm-hmm. which then it's this like Magic the Gathering damage on the, the stack. Sure. Uh, section two then applied, which lets him now he's president. He can't appoint anybody he chooses, but it has to be approved by both houses of the Senate and the House of Representatives by a simple majority vote. Okay. So apparently he got Donald Blythe up there. Um, he's, he's kind of a he'll he'll dance for him. You know, he'll be his puppet. Right. I wonder if a president can dis- just dismiss a vice president because he doesn't like them. I know you can during an, an election. It, yeah, it's not an elected position, is it? It is an elected position. Well, but I, I so that's what I'm saying. Like I think you vote for the ticket. So yeah, I guess a vice president can be impeached, but I don't think a president can just mm. be. I don't like you anymore. Get the fuck out. Yeah, I think there's a lot of political reasons, but I also think it's yeah, just yeah. not legal. Probably not. Um. Anyway, and you know, I mean, what Frank is trying to do here is. Probably not legal either, uh, as as is told to him by... Uh, Do tell. Frank Underwood doing something illegal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, now he's doing it publicly, right? Like, he's mm. not trying to hide this. He's trying to just get out there and say uh, these things that are, I think, blatantly legal based on what she told him. Like, his the, the lawyer, I don't, I don't know what position she is. Remember oh she, yeah, yeah. So she's the attorney. Gen- yeah, the attorney general. She's she is representing okay. the United States government on behalf of this drone gotcha. case that Walker, With the President Walker, off, got yeah. into some hot water where he, yeah, an American citizen got hit, and he's saying release the files publicly. Sure, uh, that's not legal according to her, but she's going to write up a defense for it. Well, I mean, I don't know because it seems like the president. Uh, has most of the power in the executive branch about secrecy and all that stuff. Yeah, and prosecution yeah. of so is it legal? I don't know. But if the president gives an executive order declaring something, that's kind of hold the well, Nixon. She said it was. A it can't be legally. illegal if the president tells you to do it. Because, oh yes, you know, it can. No, I know. Oh, yes, I know. It fucking can. <laughs> I know. But you get into a lot of this crazy stuff with the executive. That's orders. the excuse he used on Meacham. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to know what they got up to. Oh god! Uh, well, it involved she's been... involved um, it involved the collector's edition White House Easter eggs. <laughs> it definitely did, and a very non-standard basket. Yes, don't you dare break these. <laughs> these are very valuable. Uh, anyway, no, she she says like this is potentially a big legal problem for us. Makes me think it's not particularly legal or it could just be exposure like you know if we if we set the precedent that we're going to do this then what are you going to do in the future like when your drone starite goes pear-shaped hmm. and we find out you killed a bus full eh, of maybe. orphans because that nothing came of that You're right that's still there working. was no feed there was no blowback whatsoever now is that because there will be. that was some clandestine thing uh could be yeah but yeah it's not it's uh Top secret, definitely something to keep uh, keep a keep a watch on. That's all I've got, man. Uh, that's all I've got as well. Okay. Do we have any feedback for this episode? Not at this time. All right. We're kind of marathoning and back to backing these things. So yeah, we might have some uh, down the line, yeah. or we might edit this and record it in some new stuff. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. 
All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you do uh, have feedback, send it to houseofcards at baldmove.com. And uh, you can also get on our forums. We've got the threads for each of these chapters uh, ready to go for your perusal. Uh, also on forums.baldmove.com. You can send an email to houseofcards at baldmove.com. Tweet at Jim at baldmove and follow us on facebook.com slash baldmove. Definitely. Uh, thanks for listening. We will see you on Wednesday. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you.